Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Under the Hoodies. I am Bill Kegel. Uh, I am joined today by Tony. How do you pronounce your last name? De Nicola, but considering the way that you butcher it time and time again, uh, you can just call me Tony D. No, I'm not calling you Tony D, like you're freaking Rick D. Are we going to start having, oh, like, Tony D. Grease out or something like that? Like, we're not doing that. We're not, we're not going to be I'm that hacky show where it's like, well, hell, this is Billy. I'm talking to Tony D. I'm not doing that. So, uh, no, you're just going to be Tony, and I'm just going to pretend you don't have a last name. You're going to be like um, – you're going to be like Prince or uh, who else has one name, uh, McLovin. You know, we're, you're going to be on those guys. No, you're just going to be Tony, all right? Goldberg Tony Soprano can move over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we can just move all the Tonys over. We're putting you in the lead Tony position. So um, anyway, how's, uh, how's the farm been? It's been a while since I asked you about the old farm. Oh, farm life, man. It's, it's great. Five dogs, six cats, horses, sheep shoveling horse dung it's, it's a blast you know Good, oh fun, hard work. you just reminded me yeah you just reminded me by saying dung as opposed to another word i need to apologize for my outburst last week i uh you know i, I said i wasn't going to curse on this show like I, I made a conscious decision i know when i first started doing this incarnation of the show i was like okay you know what, whatever we're going to be we're going to curse blah 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 and then the more i thought about it the more i'm like you know what i want people to listen to the show in their car with their kids and I have to worry about the host swearing and smash cut to you getting me all riled up over a certain subject. We're going to discuss in great detail in a little bit that uh, made me drop a couple, an, an F-bomb, a, uh, a couple other choice uh, expletives that um, yeah. I wish I could have believed. You, uh, I don't know if we have the technology to do this. So um, my mistake, I apologize. A couple times. Yeah, I called you an Adam's apple and I really, really regret it. So, my mistake, absolutely okay. Uh, you know, I'm not going to fire me. So um, we're going to move on. We're going to do a clean show. A, sh- a clean show. I want people to be able to play this in churches, play them, play this with their children around, grandma, grandpa. I want it to be a family fun atmosphere. So that being that being said, Tony, let's get Odell Beckham out of the way. So. You and I, in our conversation this morning, we decided let's do this like a Law & Order episode. Unfortunately, I don't have the music, um, but I really wanted to because we're not up to that production value yet. You know, maybe we get a few more listeners. We get a couple of people giving us money. We can, uh, we can step, our, uh, step our game up to a, a fancy-schmancy, um, uh, you know, uh, sound. Uh, you know, there's no delay. We can get some microphones, all that fun stuff. So, um, but speaking of fancy, before I forget, we do have a guest on at the end of the show uh, to talk Buffalo Bills, and he is the voice of the Buffalo Bills, Mr. John Murphy, which I'm very excited about. So, um, yeah, we're going to close out talking to him about his career a little bit and then um, definitely getting into some uh, 
current Buffalo Bills talk because you and I both have questions. I have friends that have questions. Um, so, uh, but anyway, Odell Beckham. All right. So you're the prosecutor. I'm the defense. So I'm gonna let you have your. I'm gonna let you have your opening statement. Go ahead, Tony. Oh, where to begin with o- ODB? Uh, well, biggest thing is he's become quite the distraction to the team. Um, just carrying on on the sidelines, the the unsportsmanlike penalties, the taunting, and his production is suffering because of it. I, I feel like the offense is worried about now getting him his touches just so he can settle down and not become a nuisance to them. It's it's becoming borderline ridiculous. He is becoming what T.O. used to be, how he has all the talent in the world, but the headache just isn't worth it at times. And we see how that played out with T.O. going from San Fran to Philly to Dallas to Buffalo. It just didn't work out over time, and he just needs to get his head checked. Okay. Hi. Um, I'm going to start with mine. Otto Beckham is a notoriously slow starter. Last year, Pace started out 24 catches, 307 yards, two touchdowns. This year, 22 catches, 303 yards, no touchdowns. But he's still on pace for 156 targets, which will be towards the top in the NFL. Now, let's not let's not forget that Odell Beckham is an absolutely dynamic talent. You know, some would argue he saved Eli's career, uh, and I wanted to name my first child after the man. So, uh, but even I, at some level, can agree with that. Not totally, but I, at some level, agree with Odell Beckham coming in as a rookie after missing the first five games of the year, uh, played a little bit, um, you know, in the first couple of games, and then absolutely exploded. Now, where I think you are right and where I think Odell's celebrity has gotten to him is with that catch against Dallas. That turned him into, wow, this is a really good rookie, into a absolute celebrity, like on the level of like a Will Smith or something, at least in New York. And now he's, you know, he's modeling, et cetera, et cetera. So production-wise, though, this year to last year, numbers are almost the same. Slight dip in catches to four less yards and two less touchdowns. You know who's gotten those touchdowns, though? Over him are the two receivers that have been brought in uh, to help the offense. Um, certainly Shepard drafted and Victor Cruz coming back. So offensive flow, more weapons, that kind of thing will happen with his touchdowns. I'm not really worried about his production. Okay. So what's his main distraction? Okay. He wants to win. He gets very upset. The team's losing. People are getting in his head, et cetera. Um, and, and the other thing you touched on is him complaining about his touches are needing to get him his touches. Has he one time come out and said anything about him him getting the ball? Uh, I'll, I'll give you that one. That's true. Thank you. Okay, so now we're going to go to his character, right? We're going to do a little bit of character building. Odell is not a bad guy. Okay, the refs. And now a lot of this is brought out by him, brought on by himself. I understand that, and I'm going to fully agree with that. Uh, re, you know, rebuttal that you're going to have. But did you see before the Minnesota Vikings game that he shook every single soldier's hand after the national anthem? Stood there while they were walking off the field in a line, shook every single one of their hands. I personally saw him interact with fans. Um, didn't get a chance to meet him because I didn't have the fancy brace, uh, fancy um, rubber bracelet to get into the section that he was in. But he showed up to an event he wasn't scheduled to be at, unannounced, took pictures with kids, shook hands, really nice guy, sort of came unannounced, didn't have to, gave up his time to do that. So 
now I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a quick question and I want you to take over and I want I want your rebuttal. Did you or did you not think that the Xavier Rhodes late hit that Beckham got flagged for was that did to you? What were your thoughts on that? What did you see? I guess when you watched it, because I get, I don't want to I don't want to put words or thoughts in your mouth. What did you see when you saw that when the first um, sportsmanlike conduct on Beckham happened? Well, Beckham took a couple steps out of bounds and Rhodes clearly hit him late. I thought Rhodes should have been flagged for it, and then the way that okay. Beckham responded. Worst case, it could have been offsetting penalties. But at the very least, you have to flag Rhodes for that. And I'll give the NFL credit. They know that people are targeting Beckham now, and they've come out and said that referees are going to keep a better eye on players if they're instigating something out of Beckham because they know to center in on it now, that it's becoming a thing. But I can't blame Rhodes at all yeah. for what he did. If you have a chance to get into his head and affect, you know, the the biggest playmaker on the Giants team when you're facing them, you have to do it. You have to take that risk, that shot. It's almost worth a 15-yard penalty if you get his head out of the game early on. Which was effective because it worked, because Beckham had the worst game of his career against Minnesota. And now I don't know if necessarily that was them distracting him as much as it was Minnesota Vikings defense just being absolutely incredibly coached. Everybody's in position. They're super disciplined. Xavier Rhodes coming back was huge for them because he missed the first two games. Um, so I am actually curious to see uh, how they play Green Bay, a lesser defense. Um, but that being said, um, so the whole thing, this entire thing started with not Josh Norman, but anti-homosexual um, remarks made to Odell Beckham um, while there was rumors floating around about his sexuality, which is sort of irrelevant to this argument. But where I'm going with this is, you remember before the Panthers game, there was an incident with one of the practice squad players, and the, the, the Panthers had this, like, gimmick uh, last year where they, they would bring bats to the thing, and it was like, whatever, keep pounding. That's their, that's their mantra. It's on the back of all their jerseys. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the middle linebacker that used to play for them, but he was the one that said it. So that's their thing. And that's fine. I have no problem with them bringing bats. And they were, quote, unquote, threatening him with them. They are pointing at him and yelling sort of, um, you know, uh, uh, homophobic slurs and whatnot at him. At least that's how the story goes. That was in his head. Then he beat Josh Norman on what was a sure, you know, 60-plus yard touchdown that he dropped. I think that got into his head. That, along with Josh Norman being one of the best S-talkers in the NFL, getting into his head. Um, so I think there was a number of things. But I do agree with you on the fact that he is probably too emotional for his own good. But where I'm going to disagree with you almost vehemently on is the fact that he's turning into T.O. I thought with T.O. it was a lot more ego than it is, like, just raw emotion. I, think, I thought T.O., once he made that catch against Green Bay, I think that's when he turned. I think similar to the one-handed catch in Dallas, T.O. sort of turned into a celebrity because that was a playoff game, and then he started becoming the go-to guy. And you'll even hear Steve Young say in, in that um, uh, football life with T.O. that when he first met him, he was, yes, sir, okay, sir, okay, Mr. Young, yes, Mr. Young, whatever. That was how T.O. was. He was super humble. He wasn't super productive his first couple of years, at least not to the T.O. Hall of Fame numbers, T.O., that we, uh, you know, we all know, we all came to know. But with Beckham, I think it's a little bit of a trajectory. I don't think his emotions are – stats based i think his emotions are frustration based on the results of games and how he's being essentially targeted by cornerbacks 
I don't think the NFL, um, and on some level, I don't think the referees are targeting them. I think they're just sort of they're being more reactionary than anything. But um, but I, as far as the TO thing with Beckham, I don't see it yet. Now there is a player in the NFL, um, you know, that uh, played for an organization that TO played for that is slowly getting to that level. Um, it may be actually becoming worse because TO didn't do the kind of things that this other wide receiver for a huge team in the NFL has been doing. But I don't think that Beckham deserves the uh, deserves sort of the attack that he's getting in the media, and as opposed to that other player. So I would love to hear your rebuttal to my uh, long drawn out tangent, and feel free to go longer than I just did. No, I, I like to keep it short and concise. You know me. But uh, I don't think he's becoming to you. I could see him going along that path, though. And my biggest problem with Beckham right now, I mean, I'm sure uh, everyone's heard it by now, the quote he put out there that I'm not having fun anymore and how a few years ago he said that when I stop having fun is when I stop playing football. After everything that's yeah. going on, like the Giants need to put a gag order on this guy. Like, Beckham, just shut up. If you stop just stoking the flames, this will all go away. Like, the media and society now, we're very short-term. Like, we focus on one thing heavily for a few days. Just let it wash over for a week, and this will all just go away. Just enough with it. But another part with Yeah, have you heard anybody? Uh, oh, sorry about that, buddy. Sorry about that, buddy. Oh, go ahead. No, but uh, I was going to say another – a great thing I liked is uh, Coughlin coming out and saying how he wants to try to mentor him. The Giants are paying him a ton of money anyway. He's somewhat quasi on the staff in some undefined role as a, in a, a consultant or something. But I, I'm all for that. Like, if there's if Coughlin can somewhat get to him or maybe help mentor him, why not? Why not take a shot at it? I, I think it's worth it. No, I agree with you. Um, uh, I do agree 100% with um, – Beckham bringing it on himself, he is sort of fanning the flames. I mean, is anybody talking about Cam Newton's uh, behavior after the Super Bowl? No, it came and went. This is such a we we, we essentially have um, we essentially have uh, what's it called retrograde amnesia. I think uh, for the psychology majors out there, if I'm wrong, uh, I don't care. So he, I mean, it's sort of we're like we're we are, you know what we, you know what we are society and, and, and the media in specific are like a dog where they are doing one thing. That, and then I was like, oh, my God, there's a car. I'm going to go chase it. And then all of a sudden a cat runs by. Oh, my God, there's a cat. I'm going to go chase that. Then all of a sudden some, a jogger goes by. Oh, my God, I got to chase that. And then a biker goes by. And, oh, my God, I got to chase that. And then they completely forget about the last three things they were doing. That's exactly how the media is, and that's exactly how society is. We actually are super forgiving as a society. And uh, if you just come out and apologize, like if Beckham were like, you know what, I was emotional after the game, and I was still feeling a certain way about it the day after, et cetera, et cetera, everything will be fine. Everything will be fine by Sunday. It'll maybe get brought up during the broadcast and maybe in a couple pregame shows, but I don't think I don't I don't think it'll be an issue um, if he were to just come out and sort of just lay low, just let his game do his talking. We forget about this by week six, a hundred percent. I a thousand percent agree with you, but um, but there are a couple other things too. I mean, it's like I mean he. I mean, as far as getting his touches or whatever, to that I would say, and I know you sort of, you know, you, you sort of wavered on that a little bit and sort of came to my side on that. 
he doesn't really care. It doesn't seemingly it doesn't seem like he cares that much about getting his touches as opposed to winning. And I think in both instances, game, the first two games of the year, there wasn't an issue with them. The two games where it was an issue are the two games that they were losing, and the game was sort of sl- the, uh, both games were sort of slipping away from them, and they were just starting to lose their composure. Um, and uh, you know, and there's also no evidence to this. The, the the year and a half prior to the Josh Norman thing, or the season and a half prior to the Josh Norman thing. You know what? I just realized I lied. There's there was a there was a Rams game as a rookie where he sort of lost his cool on the sideline a little bit, and I remember Steve Weatherford and his giant arms were holding Beckham back. And um, so you know what? I take that back. There was. I thought of that as I was saying that. That's right. So. I don't know. I, I definitely don't think I, – I think, I think he's a sensitive guy. I think that he is super, super emotional. And if this was a bigger show, I'd probably take a little bit of heat for this. But this, is, this sort of happens with men that are typically raised by their mothers more than their fathers, which Beckham's father was in the picture. I mean, I, as far as I know, they have a really good relationship by all social media accounts. But, I mean, he's clearly closer to his mother. He was clearly raised by his mother. And I think that there's a lot of guys like that that are raised specifically by their mother where they're, they tend to be a little more, in general, I'm speaking in generalities here, but they tend to be a little bit more sensitive than someone that was raised by, you know, a two-parent household or, you know, even more specific, their father. And I think that's part of uh, Odell's problem. And he's also super young. I mean, he's still, you know, relatively new in the league. Um, not to act like this, and that's not a justification for, you know, his behavior and his comments about the NFL and the referees and, and fans yeah, the and stuff. Thing, but, no. uh, Damian Woody put it perfectly where he said there's a ton of young players in the NFL, 22, 23, 24-year-olds, and they don't have to act like this. It's not an excuse that he's just young. This day and age, like, you have to get over that. Okay, that's fair. That, that's 100% fair because I think you and I had a uh, – similar type childhood. We both had to grow up a little bit, um, you know, faster than we wanted to. And, uh, you know, we were a little emotional when we were maybe not that age, but definitely a little more emotional than, uh, than, than, or a little as emotional as he was, we were maybe a little younger, but even still, that's neither here nor there. All I'm saying is that I think that you hit it sort of on the head with the, if you just shut up, it would go away. And uh, I think that's really what he needs to do. Also, too, the emotion, that's not a problem for me. Like, I love guys that play emotionally. You have to learn how to use it properly and harness it, though. Two of the most emotional guys I've ever seen in the NFL have been Ray Lewis and Steve Smith. Those guys play with so much intensity, so much emotion, but they harness it in the correct way. Right. I agree with that. Um, So... I guess in closing, did you did you have a problem with Eli not coming to his defense? Um, not really. It's not not really who Eli is. He's not the, you know, he's a leader, but in a quiet way. He leads more by example. He's not the type to just come out and speak for a guy or against a guy or yell into his face. I mean, I did like how on a uh, I think it was a couple of games ago where he came over and just kind of like grabbed him by the shoulder pad. It was just having a conversation with him, like more so than barking at him or yeah. grabbing him by the face mask. Like he can't. That was hold as much water. Game, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't hold as much water if you're just not that type of guy. Like if you just try to be that guy when you're really not. 
Right. Don't don't you think that's a little bit of a cop out though? Don't you think it's sort of on Eli? He's the leader of the team. He's been on the team since two thousand four. You know, he's one of the most visual he's one of the few guys if you saw him in public you'd recognize him that play in the NFL. See, I'm not going to let Eli off that easy. You know, again, it doesn't need to be stated how much I love Eli. Um, you know, two Super Bowls. I mean, he he's he's one of my favorite athletes of all time, if not the my favorite athlete of all time. But I don't feel like I should let him off the hook because, and I know, and I know maybe I'm being a little harsh, but I think it's sort of on him. I think it's on him. I, I don't think because you're not that type of guy. Similar to similar to um, Damian Woody's point about Odell Beckham's age, well, you know he's young, blah blah blah. You know, how that's not an excuse? Actually, you almost feel the same way about Eli. Oh, that's not kind of the kind of guy he is. Well, you're the leader of the team. You sort of need to be that guy. Like I, I don't. I think that they would look up to Eli to be that guy. I mean, they're paying him enough to be that kind of guy. Like, and that's the thing. I know that's not his personality, but at, at, at a certain point, you do have to kind of come and say, you know what? Odell's a great player. You know, we're happy to have him on the team. Um, he's an emotional guy. He wants to win. You know, we're all a little frustrated. Things like that. And that's just, I mean, I, I mean, from what I read, he threw him under the bus for running the wrong route on the interception. And I, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that. Like, you got to be a little bit more cohesive as a, uh, as a team. And I'm not really liking this Ben McAdoo-led team the last two games, how undisciplined they've been and how – I guess just sort of, sort of, they're a little choppy in the media, and I'm I'm not really a fan of it. This this is the kind of things we didn't see when Coughlin was there. Not that I didn't think getting rid of Coughlin was the best or worst idea um, at the time, but at the same time, it's like if you're if you're bringing in Ben McAdoo for for you know to run your offense and and now run your team, and he's supposed to be sort of like Coughlin, like a disciplinarian and a no nonsense type of guy, and all of a sudden. You know, they went from looking like the Patriots the first two weeks, having everything buttoned up and not having a lot of penalties, to they're starting to look like the Browns, where they're getting in trouble for the GM texting players during games. And it's like, it's just one of those things. It's it's just weird. I just don't, I don't know. This team doesn't really have an identity right now. And I think it, I think it doesn't necessarily need to start with Ben McAdoo. It needs to start with Eli. And I actually think that's where, I think that's part of the problem. And I think if the team is going to get right, I, it falls 100% on Eli's shoulders. He's the highest-paid player. He's been on the team the longest. He plays the most important position in the biggest market in sports, and I think it's ridiculous that he's that he's not taking more of a leadership role and everyone's using an excuse. It's not his personality. You know, I, don't, I just don't think it's right. Yeah, I could see that. I'm, uh, I'm actually looking at the Giants' schedule right now, and they definitely have a tough road ahead. And the Packers Sunday night football in Lambeau. That's a very hard place to win at. Yep. Then they have the Ravens at yep. home, and then they uh, go yep. cross country to LA to play the three and one reinvigorated Rams. And I don't think anyone saw no, that. No, that game's in though. London. That game's in London. Oh, oh, yep. Oh, it's there correctly. Yep, nine thirty a.m. Oh, oh God, that might be even worse. It'll be it'll be an ugly game on both sides. Well, Anytime the, a team travels, to it's a London. short. It's a shorter flight for the Giants. That, yeah, this is a shorter flight for the Giants actually. So the, yeah, that, that, might, actually that actually may pay up the uh, benefit. Yeah, um, kind of rude to make the Rams fly all the way there. They're on the other side of the world, like flying to China. Yeah, I'd have to look and see uh, who the Rams play before that. Maybe they're staying on the East Coast for that flight. 
And it's crazy because the second half of the season, the Giants play the Eagles twice, who look like one of the best teams in the NFC. They play the Eagles twice. They still got Dallas um, at home, and they still have Washington um, in Washington. So, yeah, I, I 1,000% agree with this. Like, I think that the Giants really may – it's way too early in the season to say, but I think they may have shot themselves in the foot by not getting out of this four-game stretch where they should be 3-1. and one. You know, that's really, yeah, I can agree me, with that. That's really the problem. Three of their last four yeah, I mean, it's division gonna be... rivals, Cowboys, Eagles, and Redskins, two of them on the road. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, two of them on the road. Yeah, so they play in Washington. I forgot the game was in New York. They also have Pittsburgh still. They have Cincinnati still. I mean, they have the Eagles twice. You're yeah. right. This is not an easy schedule, 100%. Detroit doesn't look like it's a, it's a throwaway game. You know, I mean, that, that, their offense is pretty scary, and I, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I think if they, if they wanted to win the division and they want to, I mean, at the very minimum, secure a wild card spot, which is going to be very difficult with the, uh, the uh, NFC North and the NFC South because I think the Panthers, I think the Panthers in Atlanta are going to be fist fighting for that, uh, for that uh, NFC South spot, and I think one of those teams could, go, could be the wild card team. And, I mean, I wouldn't sleep on the NFC West yet either. I don't think this one and three Cardinals team is, uh, you know, I don't think their record is indicative to their, to how they're going to finish the year. So, I don't know. It's definitely not an easy road for the Giants. And I think ultimately if they want to make the playoffs, they're going to have to win the division. And, with, and this will segue nicely into our next, uh, our next topic here. So, with, you know, 3-0 Philadelphia looking like the best team. I mean, just, you know, the first two games, Cleveland and Chicago, I think they're two of the three worst teams in the league. And then, but to go into Pittsburgh, who could represent the AFC in the Super Bowl this year and sort of slap them around like they did, was uh, outside of being super impressive, actually super worrisome as, uh, as me, a Giants fan, and you, a Cowboys fan. So, and then the Cowboys with Dak don't look bad. And Washington already has a win against them. I mean, I, I think this is ridiculous that they, that they came out of this, you know, two and two as opposed to three and one. Like they, you know, like they're. I would say like it should be, but I guess like maybe the roster would indicate, you know? So anyway, this is under the hoodies. I'm Bill Kegel. That's Tony, whatever. And uh, yeah, so we're going to segue into, oh, you know what, Tony, say your last name again. Cause apparently I, I don't know how to say it. Denicola. pointed out my wife. That's Denicola. It's Denicola. It's simple. What have I been saying? Denicola? I haven't been saying Denicola. Actually, I would say it's Denicola. Okay, yeah. whatever. Um, so, so even my wife pointed out that I said it wrong. I was like, how the hell do you know how it's pronounced? But then she's Italian, so that makes sense. Um, so anyway, uh, Zach Prescott and the Cowboys. Let's just talk uh, about the Cowboys as a team, actually. Are the Cowboys better or worse without Dez? Uh, <laughs> the way – I think they're worse without Dez if Romo was the quarterback. But right now – with Dak, the way he dinks and dunks, I think they're better without him yeah. because they just have to worry about getting, yeah. you know, getting Dez's touches and everything because we know how Dez can be a bit of a prima donna on the sidelines. Um, but, yeah, I mean, right now with Beasley, with Witten, even Butler came up big. He's just he's making yep. the smart throws. He's not throwing into trouble, throwing into double coverage. And I love his poise. I mean, they were down in that game by 14, about six minutes before the half. And for him to come back like that, no pressure, just go with the game plan, slow, consistent. Like, the guy, the moment is never bigger than him. And for a rookie quarterback like that, I, I love his poise so much. But I also say that um, 
I think if Dallas is going to make a run at this, they need to have Romo as their starting quarterback. They need the entire playbook open to him. They need to be able to win a high-scoring game. Right now their defense is been don't break, which is great because they're running the ball. They're eating up the clock with uh, with Elliott, which is great. But if they get into a shooting into a shootout with like Green Bay and Lambeau, which I think it'll be, they're going to get killed. They just that can't get them 30, 40 points. It's not possible the way he's throwing right now. Eventually down the road, I think he right. will be able to do it. But for now, we don't need him throwing the deep ball in the double coverage. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. I, I like what I've seen from Dak. I mean, he's you know he started four games. He's already thrown for a thousand yards over a quarter of the season. Um, his three passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. The most the two most important stats and the two most impressive stats by are, uh, for Dak are the fact that he's completing almost sixty eight percent of his passes and he has no interceptions. Um, that to me is the, the the single most impressive thing about a fourth round rookie. Um, that I think if we do the draft all over again, I think maybe he's the second or third pick. Um, but, yeah, and I do think, uh, like we touched on last week, I think it's definitely a testament to Jason Carrot. And I know a lot of Cowboys fans, not a fan of him, not a fan of his clock management or whatever, but I, I do think this is where he shines. I think this is this is exactly why you kept him around for as long as you have, is to – mentor and put a young quarterback into the position to win because just because Tony Romo is coming back doesn't mean he's going to stay healthy for the rest of the time. And we saw this last year, you know, they started the season three and one, they get Tony Romo back, uh, he gets hurt in week four and then uh, they get him back on Thanksgiving day, he gets hurt again, you know, halfway through the game against Carolina. So uh, this is where Jason Garrett is shining though. I think this is why you pay him. This is why he's the head coach. This is why he's been around for so long in Dallas is for this type of thing to mentor a young quarterback, to put the young quarterback in the right position. And I actually, I'm super impressed. And this is the first time I've ever said this. I'm super impressed you know, with Jason Garrett and that offensive staff in Dallas. I, I might've told you in the past, but I'll tell everyone here now that that Thanksgiving game was such a nightmare for me, considering the fact that I am such a Cowboys fan and I had to have Thanksgiving dinner at my fiance's uh, family's house. You know, there's like 20 or 30 right. of her family members there. They set me up. They were very generous about it, put me so I could see the TV from the dining room. And I'm trying my best the entire time during that game to not curse out loud. I'm pretty sure I let a couple F-bombs go in front of her family during Thanksgiving dinner. Luckily, it wasn't during grace, but it was a very stressful time for me. See, this is how I felt last week when I dropped an F-bomb on the show after I repeatedly saying I wasn't going to swear the couple of the prior weeks. Um, so, yeah, uh, I understand. That's really all I could say. I understand, buddy. Uh, I was happy yeah. to see it. Not that it made a difference to the Giants because the Giants were terrible last year. Uh, obviously, late in games, and Dallas was a good example of that because they did get us in the first game. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I actually feel bad for Tony Romo as a Giants fan. Uh, I hated seeing Tony Romo uh, – you know, lining up um, on offense because he was he's uh, outside of maybe Deshaun Jackson and, and Brian Westbrook growing up. Tony Romo's in that uh, in that group of uh, players that I, as a Giants fan, are always afraid to see it. It does sort of stink if his career ends this way. So I hope he does come back um, for your sake and actually as a football fan. But as a Giants fan, I don't want him to ever come back. Uh, and I want him to get traded and go to Cleveland and have some success. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah, 
Maybe we could segue into talking about Cleveland too and their uh, their matchup next week. How we each feel about that? Oh, I love your segues here because that was my next topic. Good stuff. So let's just remind everybody what they're listening to, and that is under the hoodies with Bill and Tony. And uh, yeah, man, let's get into the Patriots. Um, you know what? Go ahead and talk about our uh, our, our conversation. And while I look up the uh, the line. Last we looked, the line was at um, Eli Manning's number. So uh, let's see what the line is now. Yeah, uh, I was trying to convince Bill to take a bet with me. I was going to give him Cleveland with 21 points. With Brady coming back, with the Patriots getting just dismantled by the Bills last week, you know Belichick and Brady are both out for blood. It's they're putting the entire NFL on notice. It's just going to be a slaughter. It's Cleveland, for God's sake. They're winless. Brady's coming back after four games to stew. You know he's motivated. You know he wants to show the entire league what's been missing. I cannot wait. It's, it's going to be so ugly. And what I was telling Bill the other day was about everyone remembers the game a couple of years ago, the Monday nighter against Kansas City where they blew the doors off the Patriots, just like 44 to 17 or something like that. And my thing was, everyone was saying how Brady's washed up, Brady's done. What people may forget is that the Patriots won the Super Bowl that season, and then the next game they went out and throttled the next team they played, which I'll have to look it up. may have been the Jets, but it was like 45 to 10 or something like that. I would love to know, too, the record that Belichick and Brady have in games after a loss because I, I almost guarantee it's exemplary. Yeah. Um, I'm looking it up. Yeah, so um, Belichick record after a loss. I'm looking this up now. The Pats are still 10.5-point favorites. So the Patriots are <laughs> – oh, my God. This is as of um... – oh, my goodness. This is after uh... – hold on, hold on, hold on. So this is in 2004, all right? This is this is the best uh this is the best uh article I could find. So Belichick and the Patriots are 36 and 4 in regular season games following a loss. <laughs> Jesus are you kidding Christ. me? Oh, no, uh, no, 36 and 4. Um uh hold on. I got to look this up. I thought it'd be good. I, I didn't know it'd be damn near right perfect. <laughs> They're literally 90%. They're 900 in games after the loss. That's absolutely um, – God, they're good. If so, anyone yeah. in Since the, the beginning world of the takes Cleveland as the underdog, they are morons. There's no way the Patriots don't yeah. win this game by at least 21 points. I'm taking the over all day. Okay, so here we go. Since the beginning of the 2003 season, the Patriots are now 36-4, and four, and this is as of October 5th, 2014, so two years ago to the day. So I'm curious what this record is now. So in the regular season, uh, thirty-six and four. That's nine. They're nine hundred team <laughs> uh, after a loss. Um, as a starter, Tom Brady is thirty-six and eight in games following a loss. The Patriots have won their last three games following a loss by an average. <laughs> oh my God! The Patriots have won their last three games following a loss by an average of twenty-seven point seven points. Yeah, I'm definitely not making this bet with you. <laughs> they are gonna freaking kill the Browns by like fifty. I'm not making this bet after reading this at all. I I I've told lost you two bets. In dramatic fashion, uh, the last handful of weeks. The hell with this, man! I'm not making that bet. I'm about to go to hell. You were trying to tell me too. <laughs> You're all oh, Cleveland. No, I wasn't. Played a bunch I'm... of close oh, games. Oh, don't even lie. Don't even lie. I was like, dude, they're winless. And you're like, oh, they played a few close games. They have a good defense. I don't they care did. what they have. 
They have Tom Brady. Tom Brady coming off four-game suspension. He's going to kill them. You know what, Tony? It takes a big man to admit when he's wrong, and I respect that. Remind me what the record is for most touchdown passes in a game, because Brady might break that. Seven, I think. I think Drew Brees tied it against the Giants last year. I think it's seven. Let's not get ahead of ourselves with all this crazy hyperbole. They're definitely going to win, and they're going to win big. And it, it's changed my mind to the point where I'm not making this silly bet with you, but like, because I've lost. It, I'm just asking you to get embarrassed next week, so I'm not. I'm not making this bet with you. I already owe you enough push-ups. Like, I'm going to look like Fifty Cent in the um, freaking whatever the hell that uh, damn Twenty One Questions video. If I uh, if I keep making these bets with you, so I'm good. I, I'm not making. This oh, bet I with just you. got the visual find of you. I just got the visual of you riding on the bus to our work Christmas party and hanging upside down and doing crunches like 50 Cent does in that one music video. Oh, yeah, in the uh, in the club video. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know why I picked Tony a question. He just looked abnormally jacked in that. Like, he he started his, like, um, he started his, uh, what is that, EPO or whatever, uh, <laughs> before, uh, pre, uh, pre-21 questions post uh, in the club video. So that's why I, uh, so I picked that one. He looked abnormally puffy in that one. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm just hanging from, like, the overhead compartment, wrapping upside down, like, doing crunches. I think if I shave my chest, though, I look just like 50 Cent with my shirt off. So, uh, and I, have, I don't need tats either. So, those are the two things, really, that are separating him and I. Um, but, yeah, even still, I'm not making this bet with you. I owe you, what, 50 push-ups at this point? And you're going to want them all at once? Like that. That. Good gravy, man. That's what I said oh, I could no, do no, last I'll, week. I'll split them off throughout the night, trust. I won't get them all at once. Oh, if I have alcohol in me, I'm not doing any of your damn push-ups. Like, uh, no, nah, that's not happening. Don't make me do them drunk. Not a, I'm not trying to bash my nose in. Not a man of your word. What's the worst thing that happens? You chip your gap tooth? Oh, uh, no, come on. That's mean-spirited. I don't say anything about you, you know? Well, you can, I don't you can make fun of my giant schnoz. I don't even think that you have that. You... You look like you uh, you look like Uncle Fester a little bit, which is ironic now that I'm thinking about it because that's what he went as Halloween. That's really it though. I can't really say anything mean about Uncle Fester. Um, I look like the love child between Macaulay Culkin and Uncle Fester. That child might exist out there. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, all right, we're you're listening to Under the Hoodies. This is Bill. Uh, that's Tony and. Um, I apologize for tapering off. I got up very early this morning. I apologize. Tony and I, again, to remind all the new listeners, if there are any new listeners, that Tony and I work in the fast-paced, lucrative world of water delivery. So, um, yeah. So we get a little punchy towards the end of this show. Um, Not to mention Tony's been on the farm, uh, you know, moving dung from one pile to another, which uh, I imagine is not easy. So, all right. We have a little time before we bring on our guest, John Murphy. So let's go through – I want to go through rotoworld.com a little bit and, uh, and just sort of pick a couple players and uh, get your thoughts on, like, that team, you know, what you saw, et cetera. Um, so did you watch any of the Broncos game um, and saw Paxton Lynch uh, in action? Yes, and I was also terrified because I had uh, – I cannot forget – remember how to say the guy's name. Trevor Simeon, right, is the quarterback? Simeon, yeah, Simeon, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I had him on my fantasy team, and he went down, and I almost had a heart attack. Thank God everyone else picked up the slack. But, uh, yeah, Lynch didn't look too bad. I mean, 
we'll see how it goes. I think Simeon's coming back this week to start, so I think Lynch will go right back to the bench. But from the little bit that I saw, I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad either. For a first start, I thought it was pretty decent. Trevor Simeon is a game-time decision for week five. Um, he didn't practice Wednesday, but he could start without practicing this week. Um, so, yeah, it, it's hard to know. It's on his non-throwing shoulder, which is a good thing for him. Um, it's almost the same injury as Garoppolo, except for Garoppolo's was on his throwing shoulder. So I think that's the difference there. So, um, Yeah, a Andrew bunch of Luck, injuries are coming out now, may, too. Right. It, do you think Andrew Luck makes it to the end of the season? Yeah. Do you think Andrew Luck makes it the whole season? Uh, healthy. Oh, with that, with that line, I don't think so. He's taking a beating. You got to protect your biggest asset, man, and that's really the only asset the Colts have. They look terrible. Yeah, the coach, the Colts, um, outside of quarterback, right in the uh, the bottom half in a lot of instances, in the bottom third in Pro Football Focus's um, position group rankings. Andrew Luck is the only thing really holding them up, and I think even with Andrew Luck, that still might be one of the five worst teams in the league, and that's sad. Because if Sean Payton, you know what, what it imagine is. if they got Sean Payton, how much better Andrew Luck would look? Like, I, imagine, because that was the big rumor last year after Black Monday that uh, Sean Payton was going to be out as a Saints coach and he was going to be in as the Colts coach. Yeah, the problem is too the Colts are almost becoming the like the Chargers of the East in a way, where they both have yeah. franchise quarterbacks, but they have no tools, no weapons surrounding them. The GM is failing them. No, I agree with you. I think he's a terrible GM. I think Ryan Gregson and Chuck Pagano, I don't know what um, – I don't know what Jim Irsay, uh, Bill Burr's favorite Jim Irsay, was thinking when he was like, let's run it back with these two. It's like, really? Because there was so much success before those two? I don't understand. Like, I, I don't I don't get it. So – that uh, that sucks for him. That sucks for Andrew Luck, but he's making a lot of money, so I think he'll uh, he'll dry his tears with hundred dollar bills and then throw them away. Um, it'll yeah, be fine. I mean, uh, just until just that CTE kicks in down the road. It's a very solid point. Or that ruptured kidney, uh, you know, does something crazy. So, all right, last thing we're gonna talk about before we uh, before we call John Murphy is uh, we're going to talk about the – I want you to give me your thoughts on the on the Cardinals' uh, quarterback situation now with Drew Stanton. Do you, do you see the season rebounding for them? I mean, Drew Stanton going against San Francisco, not anything as a Cardinals fan to be super uh, to be super upset about. But at the same time, you know, it is Drew Stanton. He's not exactly Carson Palmer, even though I think Carson Palmer may be a tad overrated. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so uh, what do you think – what do you see with the Cardinals? Where do you see their season ending up? Oh, I think it's going down the drains quickly, unfortunately. It's weird, too, because they have all that talent at defense. I think they have great wide receivers. That Carson Palmer was good to decent. They have that good young uh, uh, rookie running back. But I just their play calling is terrible to me. They always just try to rely on the deep ball. They just can't work it down the field properly. And I believe that game's in San Fran and on a short week with Drew Stanton starting. I actually see the 49ers beating him on Thursday, which I believe puts them at one and four, and the way that division's improved with L.A., and you know Seattle's going to get on track at some point. I mean, next thing you know, Arizona's last place in a pretty decent division. No, I agree. So just let everybody know again, you are listening to Under the Hoodies with Bill Kegel and, and for more Tony options. DiNicola. DiNicola. Uh, there you go. And uh, – I wanted to bring our guest on. We didn't uh, get your message either Mr. because Murphy. you were not speaking or because of a bad connection. 
To disconnect, press 1. To record your message, press 2. All right. That happens. It's okay. So uh, we just tried to call John Murphy. Um, I'm very new at this system. So, and we got his voicemail. That's okay. We'll try him back. So um, I was. Can we leave I, I don't know if you heard that, Tony. Uh, oh, I, I wasn't able to. No, 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 no. So anyway, that's fine. Um, we could try to give him a call back. Hopefully, the guest call-in number is the thing that popped up for him. So um, if not, we'll try him again. No, no worries. We did, we're a little early. Um, I did tell him 8:45 or so. So that's that's a little bit on me. So if you guys heard that again. We're working on the kinks here, um, but we'll try them back in a couple of minutes. So, uh, yeah, what you were saying about Arizona is interesting, though. I, I do think that that division could slip away from them quickly. I think Seattle is going to right the ship. Um, the Rams have been a bit of a revelation. Aaron Donald is an absolute force. He's pro football focus's best player um, in, the, in the entire league, and he was last year as well. Just some of the things he does on defense. I mean, he absolute dis, absolutely disrupts the uh, the uh, the offensive line of the opposing team, and it's actually kind of interesting uh, that they are. With, with if you're looking at the team on paper, you would think Arizona would be absolutely just mopping the division up, at least over the Rams and the Niners, and they really haven't. And I, and and it, it, it's curious as to why. I mean. Do you have any theories on why, uh, Tony? I mean, what do you what do you see with that division and why it's, you know, sort of how it is? Uh, it's hard to tell. I mean, whenever it's in division games, I mean, the West, those teams know each other so well. It's much like the NFC East, where I'm anytime they play each other, they can go anyway. It's a coin flip, much like how we saw with the Rams Cardinals game. And like I said, the Cardinals just they're not playing to their strengths with the play calling. And Carson Palmer was so ineffective. Just couldn't get the ball downfield to his receivers. I, right. I just, I'm looking at their schedule now. It just looks like a tough road, too. I mean, I, I see them losing to the Niners. Then they have the Jets, which they can win that game. But after that, they have the Seahawks at home and then at Carolina. And you know Carolina's going to rebound. So it's, it could be looking at the Cardinals being 2-5, and five, you know, by early November. Right. No, I agree. And um, I, yeah, I, I, I just losing your quarterback. I, I, I don't know. I don't know as far as quarterbacks go, what their, um, what sort of their history is with concussions and how, how they rebound from it. But Carson Palmer, I mean, he's just a guy that every year is seemingly banged up. And I know he was quote unquote an MVP candidate last year, even though I don't think anybody had a shot at taking it away from Cam. Um, no, but, but, just but look yeah, at it even I, more. It gets worse. Yeah. They're yeah, I agree. At Minnesota, um, at Atlanta, still have road games against Seattle and LA to finish the season. Like that's right. That's and three that's or tough. four potential losses right there. Yep. No, it it, it absolutely is. So um uh so anyway, so with the Bills, what have you seen with the Bills that um that you're that you're a huge fan of? Like I, I guess what what do you think in the last two games have been um, have been something that uh, that you've seen that you didn't see in the in the in the um, excuse me, the last two games that you that you're seeing now that you didn't see in the first two games? Well, I think the play calling's better. The offense is just clicking a lot more. And I still don't think that's a result of the offensive coordinator that they fired. Yeah. I didn't think that was the problem at all. Definitely thought it was the defense. Um, but like I said before, I. I still think it's fool's gold. That win over Arizona, I mean, Arizona doesn't look all that great now, turning out. 
And then the win over New England, it's it's a big win. Don't get me wrong to go into New England a win like that, but still it's without Tom Brady with a third string quarterback. I mean, we'll see how it goes when New England at the end of this month comes into Buffalo with Brady. We'll see how the tables turn on that one, especially considering that Buffalo right. has swept New England in the regular season since 1999, which coincidentally was their last playoff appearance. Yeah, exactly. Um, what about, uh, I mean, what have you seen from, I, I mean, what specific players have you seen uh, things from? That, I mean, are, well, do you think they're sort of benefiting a little bit from Watkins being out? Do you think that there's on some level, like, having, like, your star, like, Adrian Peterson or Kelvin Johnson when he was hurt, um, do, you, do you see some sort of value in not having to force feed that player the ball? Oh, absolutely. I, in a way, I, it's much like with Peterson. It just galvanizes the team. Everyone else steps up more because it's like, oh, we don't have that security blanket. We don't have our superstar now. So, you know, you're, let's say one of your offensive players, maybe like a C-plus player, all of a sudden he starts playing at a B-minus level. Everyone just raises their games up to fill that void. And at times it just creates better cohesiveness and things just click better. No, I agree with you. And, and I definitely think maybe there's a little bit of that with Sammy Watkins right now. Um, uh, and But at the same time, um, I heard a really good stat about Sammy Watkins. His first handful of years, uh, are his, traje- his trajectory is a lot like Julio Jones. Same sort of injury, same sort of production the first couple of years. And now look at him. I mean, he's, he's I wouldn't even say virtually unguardable. I mean, he's, he's absolutely 1,000% unguardable. Yeah, I mean, Bills fans can really hope with that one. Uh, the guy complains about his touches so much, and then he can't stand on the field and remain healthy. Just give me a full season out of this guy. I don't think he's had a full season yet. No, I I agree. That is a little tough, and um, and uh, I, I don't know. I I do think that uh, I do think that Tyrod. I think is going to benefit a little bit from being able to spread the ball around. And uh, once we get John Murphy on the phone, I'd actually really like to ask him about the offense, um, the changes with Anthony, with Anthony Lynn, the offensive coordinator, and uh, what makes the offense seemingly smoother now that, uh, now that, uh, that, uh, that Greg Roman is out. Um, I mean, what have you seen from him? What have you seen from the offense, I guess? Well, real quick, I was just uh, trying to look at Sammy Watkins' stats in Google. So I typed in, you know, Sammy Watkins' stats, and they pop up. And then the first thing underneath is people also ask, the first two questions are, is Sammy Watkins playing and is Sammy Watkins injured? <laughs> that that, um, that just says everything you need to say about Sammy Watkins in a nutshell. Yeah, uh <laughs> Sort of, but that, again, that was that was a similar knock on Julio Jones. Um, uh, that was the knock on Julio Jones. Sorry about that. Um, that was the knock on Julio Jones too. He's injury prone. I mean, he ran his combine at the injured though, um, which was if you look at his combine numbers, was actually that was <laughs> incredibly impressive. So, uh, uh, but yeah, sorry about that. I'm still working on trying to get uh, John Murphy on the phone. Um, so you're fine. Uh, Let me know if anyway, you need a fill yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I probably will actually. So um, uh, we sent a few things, and uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, 
I, I will remind you that he did agree to be on, but, you know, he's a very busy man, and I really appreciate him even, uh, you know, if he can't do this week, even just offering his time in general. I mean, that's really awesome of him. But, well, again, we're going to keep trying to get him on. Um, uh, we're going to go until probably 30. Um, so, yeah, got another uh, 40-so minutes of uh, Under the Hoodies with uh, Bill and Tony, um, whose name I just learned recently that I can't pronounce. So, anyway, um, another question I had, uh, and we'll ask him this as well, is Marcel Darius. Um, what do you think we're going to see from Marcel Darius, you know, the first at least handful of games? I mean, is he sober? Is he better? I mean, you know, there's rumors him on Chippewa Street in Buffalo – partying up after uh after his um uh after you know the press conference saying he was going to go uh go into treatment um so I'm curious to see what what becomes of him with you know sort of are they going to ease him in I mean the, the defense doesn't really look like at least the last handful of games and maybe even the first game of the season that they that they quote unquote need him but they definitely are going to be able to use him that's for sure um but uh but I guess as a football fan over over, uh, you know, the time that you've been watching football, what have you seen from players that are asked to do that? Yep, did I lose you, Tony? Oh, sorry, I had the mute oh, button on there. No, 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 sorry about that. I thought I lost you. Stuff in the background. No, I was actually talking nope. and nothing came out or nothing in your end. Um, oh, yeah, weird. Darius, um, God, uh, these players, man, I have a very personal relationship with substance abuse. My whole family does. Um, those who don't know, I'm eight years sober from being, you know, having right. issues with alcohol. My father, 16, 17 years sober, had a couple of, you know, DWIs, had some issues with it. You know, stuff happens, but we right. cleaned ourselves up to learn from oh, our mistakes. Oh, Tony? Hey, oh, yep. sorry to cut you off. Um, no, you're fine. Uh, I believe we have our guest on the phone. Uh, hello, Mr. Murphy. Oh, awesome. Hello. Hello, Mr. Murphy. How are you? This is uh, Bill Keagle with Bex Murphy. Oh, no worries. No no worries. I'm, I'm trying to figure out the server here myself, so um, I apologize. Um, but uh, thank you so much for your time and calling in. I really, really appreciate it. So, um, sure. But I, uh, yeah, um, just wanted to get into it real quick um, with the bills, obviously. Uh, so first question we had for you was uh, what changes, um, what changes with Anthony, uh, Anthony Lynn, what changes has Anthony Lynn, excuse me, um, uh, implemented that has made the offense team a little bit smoother without Watkins? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously you're going to miss Sammy Watkins, and uh, they do, but I think uh, since Anthony Lynn took over the reins as offensive coordinator and play caller, I, I, there's a different uh, pace to the Buffalo offense, and I think it's helped a lot. Uh, they get uh, plays in quicker. They get in and out of the huddle quicker, and that gives the quarterback Tyrod Taylor some time to – get to the line of scrimmage and analyze what he's seeing there and, and get him into the right play and, and think about the coverages that he's going to see. So that's been a big change. They um, they continue to run the ball well, and they continue to run the ball a lot, which is what they did uh, really good, really well last year. And, uh, I mean, they're, they're in desperate need of weapons. I mean, they, they got a good game out of Robert Woods last week in New England and a, uh, out of Charles Day the tight end. But without Sammy Watkins, they, they are missing some uh, – you know, serious weapons on offense, but I think they're trying to make do with what they have. Uh, 
I, um, with Marcel Darius, I guess, uh, with him coming back, um, what's going to be his role early, and uh, how are they looking to uh, ease him in um, going forward? Well, I think you're right. They're, they are going to ease him in, but they're not going to take it too easy. I know he's been out four weeks serving the uh, suspension for substance abuse, and I think uh, with Marcel, I would look for him to play, you know, on the early downs, first and second downs this coming Sunday against Los Angeles, and and maybe get him out of there on third downs. But he'll be part of a pretty healthy and pretty robust uh, defensive line rotation that's, that's had some success in the last couple of weeks. And since, since getting rid of Greg Roman, what, I, I guess, what's the dynamic of the team been? Um, you know, what's the, what's the, I guess, the big difference after the Jets game um, going into, uh, you know, this week? Well, I think the pace of the offense has been increased and picked up, and that's been good. I think they um, – They've done a good job of kind of using all the weapons they have, and uh, and I think they've simplified what they want to do offensively and focused on getting the ball into the hands of their playmakers primarily. And um, I, I just think maybe what they were trying to do under Coach Roman was a little bit too complex. They've uh, cut down the volume of plays in the playbook, and uh, so far so good. They're 2-0 and since they made that switch. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I am I'm, – I'm, uh... You know, self-admittedly, I'm I'm a New York Giants man. I'm not from the Buffalo area. I live here now, um, and uh, you know, I I do I am curious. Um, I guess with Watkins' dynamic with with the team, um, do you? Uh, it's, I'm trying to figure out a way to phrase the question and try to compare it a little bit to Odell Beckham. Um, when Sammy had his a uh, little bit of a breakdown last year. Um, I mean, what what did you see, and did the team see uh, that that made Sammy sort of respond well? And is this something that a player like Odell Beckham, what he's going through right now, is this something maybe he can learn from? Well, I I don't quite know what you mean. Sammy had a breakdown last year. What do you mean? No, the, the, he made the comments about uh, little people in Buffalo. He had that weird like Twitter thing last year where he was uh, he was a little bit critical of. Um, some of the criticism he was getting after he was hurt. Um, so oh, yeah. I, I'm curious, yeah. like, I guess, yeah, yeah, I'm curious with that if uh, if there's anything that, like, a player, like, going through what, what Odell Beckham, granted it's on a, a little bit bigger of a scale with, uh, with Beckham uh, going into the media and stuff, and Sammy, you know, handled it a little bit better. But I guess uh, is there something with that that the team did uh, that sort of helped uh, Watkins go, uh, Watkins sort of get over that, is it something like the, the team like the Giants could do with Beckham to help him get over that? I mean, was there anything internally yeah. that the Bills did that we didn't know about? No, not that I know of. I don't think Sammy's issue was that um, serious or regarded as that serious. You know, I think he was. Right. I think he was upset that he wasn't getting uh, early targets last year, and he probably was mostly upset because he was a little bit banged up with a hamstring pull. But he got himself healthy, and then. Uh, over the last eight or nine games last season, he was a, one of the most productive receivers in the NFL. So I don't think there's much to compare between those two. Okay. Um, and I guess just uh, a couple of I, – I, I'm, I'm really curious. Uh, you know, I read a little bit about your journey um, to where you're at now, and I'm actually really curious if uh, – was there anybody, like, when you got into broadcasting that you – you know, was there anybody you try to model yourself after? I mean, I know you learned a lot from uh, Van Miller, but um, was there somebody you try to broadcast or, excuse me, uh, model yourself after in broadcasting? Well, um, I mean, I worked with Van Miller for 17 or 18 years on the Bills broadcast, so he would be the one, you know, and I learned a lot about uh, broadcasting football, NFL football from Van, and I 
you know, I picked up a lot from him in terms of uh, energy level and enthusiasm and um, just being up for the game. He was, that was, I think, his strong suit. And, um, you know, his enthusiasm was infectious uh, uh, the years that I worked with him and the years that he was on the uh, on the broadcast. So he'd be the one. He'd be, I guess, a role model or even a mentor to me. All right. Is there any uh, is there any like play by play guys now that you're uh, that you're a fan of that I know you're doing the games on Sunday, so you don't get to watch a lot of the one o'clock games. But is there any kind of a broadcast guy that's out there now that you're a huge fan of? Oh, there's a lot. Yeah, an awful lot. Um, I mean, Kevin Harlan's working the game on uh, the Bills game on uh, CBS this Sunday, and he's I think one of the finest play by play guys out there. And a lot of the guys who work in the NFL, I'm a big fan of in, in Boston and New England. Bob Sochi does a great job on the on the Patriots broadcast, and in Chicago, Jeff Joniak is uh, the voice of the Bears, does an outstanding job on uh, on their broadcast. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of guys. Uh, you know, Dan Horde in Cincinnati, Bengals play-by-play man is outstanding. There's a lot of guys who are doing really good work around the NFL, and I'm a fan of a lot of different guys. Yeah, I'm I'm asking more sort of personally because I'm. I'm a fan of what you guys do. It's super impressive. Um, but I, uh, but yeah, I was just, uh, I was more just for my own uh, curiosity there. So, um, but no, I have a couple other bills related questions. Um, uh, how has uh, Cardell Jones looked? I mean, is he on pace to be the backup next year or the bills not picking up EJ Manuel's option? Well, I don't, you know, they haven't made that decision yet on EJ and I think they'll wait until the end of the year to, to make that decision. You know, Cardell's, uh, had a uh, uh, thumb injury. I think it's a thumb uh, that's kind of slowed him down since late in training camp. So he hasn't done much either in practice, hasn't been active for a game yet. I think when you see Cardell, when you saw him in the preseason, when you watch him in training camp, you can see the raw material there with a, with a big strong arm and, uh, you know, kind of a, he's got certainly the, the big game experience you'd want in the quarterback, but he's got a ways to go, I think, in terms of passing mechanics and even the mechanics of running an offense, you know, getting in and out of a huddle and, uh, you know, these are things that they didn't really do at Ohio State. And um, I think he's got a ways to go. Um, I'm not sure if EJ will be back next year or not. And I'm not sure if Cardell would be in line to, t- you know, take over as a number two next year. I don't I don't think uh, those kind of decisions are – I mean, I, I'm sure they have a long view of where they'd like to be a year from now, but I don't – right now they're kind of all about the business of uh, winning on a week-to-week basis. they got to continue that. Okay. Um, yeah, EJ Manuel. I thought I thought that I read something about them not picking up his option. I thought they 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 said that um, over the summer, but maybe uh, maybe I misread. So my mistake there. Um, uh, the emergence of Zach Brown. Uh, that he's you know he's he was brought in to be Reggie Ragland's backup. Um, I guess is he just a? I mean, his fit in this defense. I, I guess is this is this something you know anybody really noticed in training camp maybe not to the you know 18 tackles against the New England Patriots level but is this something that 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 the staff saw in uh at training camp or something they saw you know in their in their post scouting department that uh that you know they thought that maybe instead of being Reggie Ragland's backup that he could actually be a starter along with Ragland and uh Preston Brown you know, um, when they signed um Zach Brown last year they signed him before the draft before Reggie Ragland was drafted and and I think based on his experience in Tennessee, I think they thought that he could be a starter, a potential starter. When you see what he's done through these first four weeks, you can see why. He's he's very fast and very athletic. I mean, uh, I was talking to Rex Ryan about this the other day. Rex says that uh, at his combine, when uh, Zach Brown came out of the combine, he ran like a 4-4, 4-5, dash, which is incredible for a man his size. And so he's got the athleticism. Right. He's always been regarded as a, 
is a pretty good pass cover guy. I think the Bills were worried that – I think the Bills wanted to get more bulk on the interior as linebacker, and that's why Reggie Raglan, uh, you know, opened up the preseason as a starter. But he's a pretty uh, more than capable backup and, you know, leading the league in, in tackles right now in the uh, AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, you'd have to say Zach Brown has surprised pretty much everybody, I believe. Excuse me, right? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he was super impressive. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun to watch. I think that he, um, oh, I think he's, I, I don't know, I, th- I think he's, to me, at least in my eyes, he he definitely looks like he sort of fits the uh, the quote unquote Rex Ryan defense. So uh, that was exciting to see. Um, and uh, uh, what about the Gilmore extension? Is that ongoing or is that on hold until the uh, off season? No, I don't think it's on hold. I haven't heard much about it over the last several weeks. Uh, you know, these things sort of take on a life of their own. I think, you know, the Bills are probably, um, you know, Doug Whaley and the people who handle that are probably wait to see how it plays out. They know the clock is ticking. They know that uh, I think they'd like to do something. Uh, you know, the two sides have uh, have talked uh, over the summer and into, uh, you know, training camp, obviously. But um, I, I don't know that they – I don't sense that there's any real urgency uh, right now. We'll see what happens if – uh, things happen this season, whatever it could be, you know, if uh, Stefan starts playing lights out, maybe that'll force their hand a little bit. So I think both sides are sort of just um, waiting and seeing. I don't know if he's going to play it out for – I mean, they'll probably come to a point late this season where Gilmore says, you know, I've made it this far, I'm just going to wait now, wait till the end of the year, you know, and take my chances in pre-agency. But I don't think they're there yet. All right, and um... – and, and uh, last question, um, this is something sort of uh, a lot of people um, have, uh, have sort of inquired about that I've talked to in this area, and uh, it's it's the mood inside the organization since the Pagulas took over. I mean, what's been the, uh, I guess, what's been the overall uh, feeling internally um, since they took over as opposed to when uh, Mr. Wilson was, was in charge of the team? Well, you know, um, I've been a full-time employee of the Bills now for about four and a half years, so... I, I was there for the last couple of years of Ralph Wilson's tenure and now the first couple of years of Pagoulas. Uh, the Pagoulas are great. You know, they, they treat people well. They provide you with all the tools you need to, go, to do a good job. And uh, they're great to work with. They're very uh, hands-on and very interested and, and eager to find out what you do and how you do it and how they can help you do it. Um, but I have to say that, you know, their predecessor, uh, Ralph Wilson, was a really good employer also, you know, a guy who really took care of his employees and, fostered uh, a ton of loyalty. There's an awful lot of longtime employees at One Bills Drive, and I credit Mr. Wilson with that because he, he set up such a good atmosphere for people and treated his people so well that people, once they got there, didn't want to leave. All right, John Murphy, voice of the Buffalo Bills, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it for a uh, – we're, we're, we're doing our best here, and uh, to have a guy like you come on, I just I – can't, I can't do anything but uh, sing your praises. So I really, really appreciate it, Mr. Murphy. Thank you so much. Okay, my pleasure. Good talking with you. Thanks. Good talking with you. Thank you. All right, that was John Murphy, the voice of the Buffalo Bills. Um, really excited to have him on. Uh, I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> I learn things, uh, you know, as we go, as we do this podcast. And uh, that was a little bit of, uh, you know, me thinking on my toes a little bit. And uh, thanks um, to a lot of people for um, – uh, for uh, sort of helping me out with some of those questions there because I was getting a little nervous there. Um, Tony had a little uh, little something to take care of on his end that came at a, a really weird time and trying to call him in. So uh, overall, I think that went well, uh, mostly thanks to uh, John Murphy, and um, I really appreciate it, and I really am praying 
to uh, whomever that I did not call him Mr. Murray because I have a, one of my dear friends is John Murray. Uh, so I call him John Murray at any point. I really hope I, uh, I, I really, really, really apologize. So, um, but that was great. I was glad to have him on. That's a, that's a really nice thing for him to do. Give us, uh, you know, a couple minutes of his time and, um, you know, really can't say anything, uh, can't say anything better about the guy. I mean, that was, that was fantastic. He, he was very, very good answers. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, that was awesome. So let me find out if Tony's still around. Tony there. Oh yeah, I'm here. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a nightmare here. Um, you know, you made that reference earlier about dogs and how they like to chase things and go crazy. Well, there's nothing like having five dogs and the impending tornado that it creates when someone comes home earlier than they're expected and then wants to let them all outside at once. So that's why I had a mute there for a while and just unfortunately had to hang out to dry. I didn't want all that noise going on in the background. No, you know what? That's okay. That was okay. That was a good learning experience. Thankfully, he was super cool. He was super gracious about it. He answered all my questions. Um, he didn't give me any kind of, uh, you know, he didn't big time me at all. So uh, for a guy that's uh, that's as beloved in this area as him, um, that was really nice. And uh, maybe my expectation of human beings should be a little better, considering the fact I'm like, wow, he's a nice guy. When probably that's just how he always is, and that's how 99.9% of people are. But I have such a, a low opinion of uh, myself and, and sometimes others that uh, I'm impressed when people are just being nice as opposed to uh, expecting that most people are nice. So, uh, But that was good. Um, that, you know what, Tony? I'm actually kind of happy that happened that way because that was a great learning experience. And uh, trust me, I was a little nervous. I actually got into my chair and I started pacing around my garage. So... That was a plus. Yeah, you so, can kind of um, hear the nervousness in your voice. I felt bad that I couldn't give you a, a reprieve at all, but I didn't want to be like, hey, Mr. Murphy, what do you think about And then you hear howling in the background and dogs chasing each other and trying yeah. to kill one of the nervous cats you have. No, it's fine. It wasn't even the fact that it was nerves. It was more anxiety because, like I said, I, uh, you know, I thought, and again, no fault of your own, and I don't want it to make it like, I'm, uh, you know, I'm talking S about you. It's just one of those things that happens. But it was like I, I just I just didn't ex- I thought I was gonna have you for that and um, and uh, I didn't and I sort of had to uh, I sort of had to wing it a little bit with a little help from a couple people that uh, that wanted to uh, get come some of uh, a couple of the questions in so um, so yeah I think we did that and I uh, definitely a little anxious um, uh, and uh, you know I mean this is this is to you and I this is sort of this this show is a bit of a big deal and um, it's. You know, it's something that we 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 take we we do our best to take serious. Even sometimes it doesn't sound that way. So, um, but yeah, yeah, man. Overall, I think uh, you know, I I think that uh, you know, we're coming along. We have a lot more listeners than we anticipated uh, once we uh, found out our actual numbers. So that was cool. So, uh, but people, if you're still listening, go ahead and recommend the show to a friend. <laughs> Excuse me. I promise it'll get better. Um, I promise it the next time if if we if there's the next time with John Murphy. Um, think it'll go a little bit smoother i think uh my nerves will calm a little bit um and uh i think that this will um you know i think this is this was good i think this is good for our show i think this was good for uh for me specifically um and i i i actually like tony's uh i like tony's honesty there i don't think you hung me out to dry you're not the kind of guy that would do that but at the same time it's just the timing was uh terrible a little rough a little rough for old bill so yeah that's okay that's no, it's in all honesty, a hundred percent. And I would tell anybody this that actually, you know, I, I appreciated your uh, your your wherewithal to uh, to mute and um, 
then again, I think that was a really good ex- learning experience for me. So, and again, to him for being so cool for calling in and uh, appreciated it. So, um, all right, Tony, anything you want to close on? Anything you heard in that that you uh, that you wanted to expand on, or um, you know, anything else in the show that you wanted to uh, to uh, end with? Well, I, I, first off, I thought it was great having John Murphy on. I mean, that's that's amazing. That's big time right there. I thought you handled it very well. Um, as far as closing, a uh, couple injuries to talk about quick. Uh, Kevin White, uh, Bears, the wide receiver, placed an IR, broke his fibula, which uh, for the Bears oh, I didn't is see that. Awful, that sucks. Yeah, awful timing, too, because they franchise tagged Alshon Jeffrey. And pretty sure they, they wanted to dump him in favor of White as their future, you know, number one wideout. But they've only seen White through, I think, four, maybe five games total. So they really don't know what he's capable of, if they should go out and free agency get a wide receiver, if they franchise tag uh, Jeffrey again next year, which I think is like $17.1 million to franchise tag him, which is astronomical for a wide receiver. Like, I don't think they can they can handle that with their cap situation. And then, too, going forward, what they're going to do with um, Jay Cutler as well. They're going to just cut bait with him, and I think they'll save like $20 million against the cap or keep him on for another year. So that's unfortunate timing. Uh, Latavius Murray apparently is in a walking boot. Um, see how that goes. I really thought this would be a big year for him. And can we uh, Del- can we uh, point out the fact that uh, you are uh, your relationship with Latavius Murray? Because you have uh, yeah. you have a little bit of a of a, a history with not a history in like a bad way, but uh, yeah, I, no. I would actually like a little bit more clarification. How do you two know each other? Uh, we went to the same high school together. Uh, Latavius Murray oh, okay. is from okay. Central New York, from the Syracuse area. He went to a little podunk kick school called Onondaga Central, as well as Mike Hart, the former Michigan running back and Indianapolis Colts running back. I actually went to school with both of them. Uh, Hart was a year below me. I was in the class of 03. And Murray, I'm trying to remember, was maybe four years behind me, five. But it's just funny seeing Latavius playing in the NFL now because we rode the same school bus together. So I remember, you know, we all called oh, him nice. Tay. I remember Tay getting on the bus, being maybe like four foot six and just this little kid when I was like a junior in high school. And then the next year he comes back after summer break, has like a foot growth spurt is playing football, starts right. lifting, and, you know, squats do wonders for the body because he just grew like a weed and became this huge kid all of a sudden. Now he's playing on Sundays, and he's actually on one of my fantasy teams. It's just kind of crazy how the world works at times. That's uh, that's kind of awesome, actually. Um, so, yeah, that's, I'll say uh, this about Murray, too, from the conversation. I haven't, I haven't talked to him in years or seen him. But uh, one of my best friends actually coached him at Onondaga, stayed in touch with him, and he's the most laid-back, humble guy you will ever meet. If, uh, everything I ever hear what people say about him, people that know him personally, he's not let it get to his head at all. Still remains humble, still remembers his That's roots. Awesome. And even when you uh, watch Raiders interviews that he does on television, he'll make little references about our high school. At one, he, uh, he yeah. mentioned about how he got the nickname the Tay Train and how it was given to him by our uh, social studies teacher, who was our, our PA announcer at the high school games, which I always think is great. How he gives us little shout outs to where he came from. Oh, nice. That's uh, that's kind of cool, actually. That's a cool little backstory there. Um, so, uh, all right, Tony, what else you got? If if uh, if nothing, I'm ready to put a bow on it. Um, and uh, 
got a question. And going, oh, go ahead, go ahead, because I have one thing too. Okay, my quick thing is uh, how the NFL is starting to become more and more the no fun league. I don't know if you've seen how uh, they fine Antonio Brown for twerking in the end zone after a touchdown. They fine yeah, Josh yeah. Norman for making a bow and arrow gesture after a big play. Yeah, it's which is what the, it's sort of a Washington Redskins thing, yeah. Yeah, and in a way too, I I almost feel like hypocritical of them because I'm pretty sure every time Green Bay scores a touchdown, they do the Lambo leap into the stands, and if you look at the rule right. by letter of the law, that should be a flag as well. Even uh, Terrell Pryor got uh got fined for uh, doing the LeBron celebration, but because he used the football as a prop, as if it was the baby powder pouring it under his hands, he right. you know he got fined for that as well, which I just think it's ridiculous. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and uh, I, I definitely think that the NFL made it a point in the offseason to address that uh, because Terrell Pryor uh, went to throw the referee the ball in the cornerback the, uh, he beat, um, sort of walked between the ball and the ref, and the ref thought he threw it at the player when he wasn't. He was throwing it to the ref, and that actually cost Cleveland that Baltimore game. So, um, yeah, it is getting a tad bit absurd. Yeah, and they've talked about how um... – unsportsmanlike conduct penalties and taunting penalties have skyrocketed, pretty much doubled since this point last year, and how the league has mandated that they call it more. And oh, yeah. It's getting ridiculous. Yep. At the end of the game, uh, it is agree, a sport. It's, it's entertainment. I mean, if you don't like a guy celebrating, keep him out of the end zone. I mean, I personally, I love it. I want choreographed celebrations by teammates, by players. I want I want a whole production out of it. Yeah, I do too. I like it. It's fun. Um, I think that's why. Uh, I think that's why. Um, uh, I think that's why the NBA is a little bit more visible, at least individually, with their players. Um, aside from not wearing helmets, I think if you let them dance and let them take their helmets off, to to I I know that the NFL is really afraid of making the player bigger than the shield, but I mean the Peyton Mannings, um, the Aaron Rodgers of the of the world already are. Um, you know, at least getting close to that level. And I think, I think, I don't, I don't see the harm in letting players um, make as much money as humanly possible with sponsors and whatnot. And I actually think, I think little things like end zone celebrations and you know being able to see what the player's face looks like um, in a game, especially on primetime games on the NBC and the NFL Network and the ESPN games, I, I think that would be really important. I think it'd be really helpful. Uh, to to some guys who um, you know the aforementioned Kevin White, a guy like that, say the Chicago is you know eleven and eleven and four, and they are playing the Packers in Week Seventeen, and he scores the game winning touchdown or whatever, and then you know he uh, he takes his helmet off and you see who he is, he might make a couple a uh, couple extra hundred thousand dollars there, and uh, you know might set him up for a, a little bit longer uh, time after his uh, career is over, which might be a little shorter than uh, than he probably thought. And all with these uh, injuries racking up on him, I mean, he's he's losing money by the uh, by the game now, um, you know, in his second contract. So he's going to have to do something super special over the next handful of years in order to regain that big contract. Yeah, especially the NFL too, where out of all the major sports, you you leave with the most life altering injuries and have the shortest career. Like, let these guys make the money yeah. while they can. Let them get that exposure. Let them get those endorsement deals. No, I 100% agree with you. So, um, 
So, yeah, I do agree that that's becoming a tad egregious. So I think the last thing that I had, by the way, is um, absolutely 100% non-sports related. And maybe we start the uh, start ending the show with this kind of thing, which is um, we should probably do something along the lines of, like, I wanted to give somebody an uh, awesome YouTube clip to watch, and it's Bill Burr uh, talking about a, um, a fellow passenger on a flight to Indianapolis. This is from uh, the Bill Burr's Monday Morning Podcast. He doesn't need my shout-out. Um, he has plenty of advertisers or whatever, <laughs> which is even a story in and of itself if you're not a Bill Burr fan. But anyway, um, yeah, go on YouTube, find that, uh, listen to it. It's about 14 minutes long. It's absolutely priceless. priceless. If you haven't heard it, it you hard-pressed to find a better, funnier story told by a funnier human being. Um, but then you might get sucked into a Bill Burr uh, YouTube vortex like I did the other day. So, anyway, go ahead and check that out, Tony. I also recommend you check that out, too. It's one of the funniest things I've ever heard on the Internet. Yeah, I actually just searched on YouTube. And uh, if I can remember, I'll post a link to it when I uh, post up a link to this podcast as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I just wanted to end with that. And, uh, again, I don't know if I can say it enough. Thank you so much to John Murphy for coming on the show. Um, I have uh, been fighting the urge to call him John Murray. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's John, uh, but yeah, I mean, awesome. I'm glad he came on. I'm glad he was really good. I'm glad he gave us his time. I'm glad his answers were thought out. I think that, uh, you know, all things considered, um, went as well as I think at this point in our uh, podcasting careers that it could have went. So, good stuff. Um Next time we have a guest, I will be sure to do something to be distracted and let Tony suffer um, like he did yes. me. Maybe I'll, like, uh, yeah, maybe I'll, uh, you know, maybe I'll show the baby, like, a picture of, like, a Dallas Cowboys helmet to get her upset. Um, or put a Dallas Cowboys hat oh, on her head like uh, someone in this podcast did. Vomit all over she'll the uh, living room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but, yeah, maybe uh, maybe I'll do something like that and then just leave Tony to be. Ah, I'm just messing with you, though. It was fun. Um but no, no, no. I again, just, just, I joke. But you're not that kind of guy, and I know that you're. You have a thousand animals over there, so not a big, not a big deal at all. Like I said, yeah. In a in a sort of selfish way for uh, me developing uh, whatever the hell I'm trying to do on this podcast, uh, um, I, I think that that was. Uh, I think that that was actually best case scenario there. So, um, so yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it went well. Lawrence. Consider. Hopefully. If you leave me alone with a guest long enough, I'm going to end up asking them who their favorite 80s wrestler is and why, and then challenging them on it. Oh, oh no. I thought that was going to go somewhere else. Um, but, yeah, that's fine. 80s wrestler is okay. Um, but, yeah. Uh, all right, that's all I have tonight, Tony. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, I am good. I'm excited for the games this weekend, as always. I mean, we're in the heart oh, yeah. of NFL season. I couldn't be happier. Yep, me either. So, uh, excuse me for yawning. Jeez. I tried to go a whole episode without doing that. So, all right, man. Have fun uh, tomorrow at your, uh, at your uh, career. I will do the same thing. And uh, we yep. will talk to everybody next week. Tony, what are we? We are out. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.